think for second gen women, um, I think a lot of this plays out with your parental relationships and that like that has a flow and effect to your like romantic relationships or your like just ways of relating to people around you. Welcome to the Slow Down Time podcast. I'm Van Anne, a second generation Vietnamese Australian on my journey away from being the busy and stressed out primary school teacher into a slower, more present version of myself. This podcast is here to help you rediscover what it is you want and to begin letting go of cultural pressure to rush through life. Yes, you'll question your identity, your life decisions, and begin trusting yourself to fully live with intention. I'm so excited to be your host and to walk you through this journey. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to another episode with Jen. And today we're talking about boundaries. This is a very interesting topic because as second-gen women who are always taught to go through life serving other people, this is a huge topic. So how do you feel about boundaries in general, Jen? Uh, That's a good question because I think when you grow up, like when we, I was growing up, certainly, um, it felt like I wasn't taught boundaries. Like I couldn't have boundaries because, you know, in our culture and I think um, just the way I was brought up, it was more of, you know, you always had to listen to your parents. You always had to do what they wanted you to do or what they suggested. So your your concept of like, boundaries is kind of like blurred and because of that you don't learn to set firm boundaries for yourself from a young age so as we get older you can see that play out in our lives whether it's work or relationships where we have like really loose boundaries and that allows room for like people to overstep that or you know for us to um, not know where other people's boundaries are also So, yeah, it's been something that I've been certainly working with um, for myself in building stronger boundaries. Yeah, I definitely understand everything you're saying. And as women in particular, like, you know, any women, I think we all struggle with this to some extent, but especially as being second-gen women and coming from like an Asian background, it is – something that we have to navigate as we experience it, which is annoying to think about because you can try to set boundaries, but then you don't know how the situation will play out and like how you respond to different situations as well. And with other people in the mix, it's really hard unless you experience it and then you figure out how to overcome it or to communicate effectively has there been an experience that stood out in your mind in terms of meeting boundaries for the first time and then like learning through that experience how to like be more firm or like communicate that? I think I started questioning this when I was in high school and it was little things like wanting to go out with my friends, not even very far, like (laughs) taking the train probably like 15 minutes max And my parents would be really strict about that. They wouldn't want me to go out and have to write down a list of phone numbers, who I'm going with, where I'm going. (laughs) I resonate. Sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> but being, I guess being a high school student, early teens, so I guess I, I can understand in a way, like seeing some family, friends or relatives who are going through that at that age. But yeah, just wanting to go out and parents being super strict about that. And I think I kind of questioned like, oh, why are they, why are they doing this? And why are they so strict about like needing to know all this information? Like, don't they trust me? Mm-hmm. And the need to ask for permission for everything, especially as a child living with their parents, having to ask for permission for little things. I felt like that was when I first started questioning that, but I didn't resist it. I didn't like rebel or push against it, but I was, it was in the back of my mind. How about you? No, it's exactly the same experiences. Like I, I, that's why I like was chuckling a little bit because, you know, the whole idea of like, no, you can't go out. And if you can, you got to tell me where you are. Like, what's your friend's number? What are you doing? And I think as a teenager, it's funny because I think of like, when we talk about boundaries, I'm also thinking of emotional boundaries as well. Mm -hmm. And then when we speak of our parents, they put so many boundaries on us right? Those are those physical limitations. You can't go out, you can't do this, you can't do that. But then I also think of like the emotional boundaries or like the um, communication boundaries that exist as well. And so there was just so, and they're all at interplay. Some may be open, some may be closed, you know? Um, so that that's an interesting idea to play with and navigate as well, because obviously our experiences are all different. So maybe a set of parents would be really open to their mm-hmm. child going out and stuff like that and then another not, but then the other parents don't allow them to express themselves, yeah. you know, and then the parents who have strict boundaries um, on their kids allow them to have full expression of who they are. So it's like, well, so many different boundary elements um, intermixed into that. Yeah, even when I was younger, as a kid, this all seems so normal like the expectations from our parents that we have to be a certain way. We have to act a certain way. We have to say this when we visit relatives and Mm -hmm. um, when we go to someone's house, like those are all boundaries too, right? Like that's the expectation on us and we have to follow through with that. But I never questioned it Mm. because that was just what was normal. Like all my friends did that. All my friends' parents said the same things. So it's just a matter of us like realizing now as adults how to work on those relationships in a way that's helpful to both of us, mm. like for us and the other party, because if we let that dynamic, that relationship dynamic to make us feel like we have to do everything the other person says, it doesn't matter what that relationship is, but it weakens you and also makes you feel threatened by everything and everyone I, I definitely agree with that and I think that because I think of like my parents right and I'm like oh damn once I realized those boundaries I had to work really hard to work up the courage to work up the strength and to work up and to believe and trust myself to effectively communicate my disagreement sometimes or my questioning of some of these boundaries in my adult life I'd be like hey you know I'm not like 14 anymore um this is the way I see the world and what do you think about that and like so kind of work with them to shape new boundaries and extend expand them I guess yeah I love that you co-create that with them it's like what we do with our students in the classroom right we work together and agree on 
certain rules or expectations for both parties. And going back to like parents being like the biggest role model for us as kids and even now, especially parents who like immigrants and refugees, they are still working on their own trauma and yeah, a lot of that. And they are still processing a lot of things. And I guess like the clash of cultures as well for them coming from more traditional or um, just different views of the world and how we sort of clash with them and the boundaries in Western cultures is so different, especially with family. But even seeing my mum and my dad too, but mostly my mum, because she stayed at home with us and she modeled to us that you need to put everybody else first. You set the table for dinner and everybody's sitting down like, oh, sit, sit, you know, make sure you have your bowl. Yeah, you got your cutlery, everything. And then everybody's food is served. And my mom is still like cooking something outside or she's still like plating something up. So it's kind of that acceptance and like that normalcy, seeing that she always put herself last. Mm. And so that's being modeled every day as a kid. And then even now when I come over to her house, she cooks for me. (laughs) And I still, I do the dishes because I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. But she's still taking care of me and taking care of everybody else. Yeah, like of this idea of being of service, right, and, and um, showing up for the other person or your family. Um, I just wanted to go back to what you said earlier, and I found it really interesting, and I think this is something I, I also realise is that, you know, um, sometimes we get caught up also in our own world where, like, me, 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 like I need to change or I need to grow, um, I want to develop, right, and then we sometimes forget. I, I know I did this a lot in my younger days, like forget that our parents, like you said, are still sifting through their trauma they're still trying to understand their world and make sense of their world as they are maybe they're just trying to shove it down and never bring it back up again yeah 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 exactly and sometimes when we're we're going through our things like we we forget that they're also going through their thing as well and I think Mm -hmm. as like yeah, as an adult, like I'm more cognizant of that than I was when I was younger. Before when I was younger, I just expected them to be perfect, you know, like you, you're my parents, you should help me kind of thing. But now I'm just like, whoa, I, I see my parents and I'm like, oh, wow, they're, they're also going through their trauma. And um, and that's why it's a, such a great time to reform boundaries in this time because they're also changing and then you're also changing and then it's like a – like a yeah, co-creation in that process. But it's hard. It's super hard, especially when, like, you know, your relationship with your parents is not at that point where, like, you're, you feel comfortable or you feel like you're ready to do that and vice versa as well. Yeah, and growing up you think your parents have everything figured out. Like they're <laughs> the superheroes that, that, that we should be focusing on us and they should be focusing on us because – we're new to the world, you know, whereas they've experienced everything and it feels like they've had many years to live. They should have everything figured out, but that's not true. And even we know that because, you know, at like 30, 30 years about, we still have much to learn. Yeah. 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 Um, I was going to ask you like just um, pivoting away from like the, the external boundaries, like have you been met, like, have you realized or have you had to like set, personal boundaries for yourself? 
Yes, definitely. And that has been a huge thing, even when I didn't know that there were boundaries, they were just like things that I didn't agree with. And I think boundaries, it's not like a line, right? It's not like a set of rules that when someone crosses those boundaries, you're like, not not putting up with this. Boundaries are the ways you take care of yourself. Another way that you can understand what is important to you, what's not important to you. It's kind of like picking your battles, right? Because you can't have super strict boundaries and never let anybody in Mm -hmm. because I guess that is taking care of yourself in a way, but you're not nurturing those relationships with other people. It's more about, okay, this person is doing something that I don't feel comfortable with and I'm going to stand up for myself. It doesn't mean like arguing with them or, you know, having a disagreement, but it's more just how do I effectively communicate that this is not how I want to be treated? Like I want to take care of myself. And so with my personal boundaries, there have been so many, but I think the two main ones, the hardest one is with family. Mm-hmm. And the next one is, I feel like it comes up a lot, but I feel it's not as tricky is with work. Mm-hmm. And family and work are such big parts of my life. And we've touched a lot on family, but I'll quickly go into it. Um, dealing with family is complicated because of the relationships that you want to maintain with them. And you feel like what well, I felt like I had to be a certain way so that they don't see me as like selfish and that I care about them as well. So I think that's when boundaries were so hard because with family, you see them every day. You don't want to make it awkward. You don't want to break away from your family. Well, some people might, but I didn't. And that's what made it so hard to stand up for myself. And there was a, there's an art to communicating what you want to say, right? Yeah, with work boundaries, I put that on myself that I had to work super hard. And so I had to just really take care of myself for work. And I realized that I was spending way too much time on work and putting work on a pedestal. Like I need to do all this because it's going to help me in my life. I'm going to make enough money to support my family in the future. And so I put a lot of pressure on myself to spend a lot of time, spend a lot of effort, build up my knowledge and experience with teaching. And so in taking care of myself, I had to really reevaluate how I wanted to spend my time and how I can be an effective teacher, yet still have time for myself and to speak up during meetings and things like that so that I can advocate for myself. Yeah, I don't know if you struggled with those as well, but yeah, let us know about your situation. Um, I definitely, I mean, I think a lot of people out there can resonate with what you mentioned earlier in terms of um, boundaries with family, like communicating those boundaries to maintain those relationships. I think that's um, a struggle sometimes, especially in Asian culture where a lot of the emphasis is placed on like um respecting your parents and not rocking the boat or like respecting the family unit and doing things with the family unit in mind when you make decisions. So, um, yeah, I I think so many people, even myself, can resonate with like, you know, having boundaries for yourself so that you can protect your energy and your your self-interest, not in a selfish way, but in a way that's like self-care. 
And I think when we um, decided on this episode, we will talk, uh, I think I mentioned that, like, I think boundaries is a form of self-love. You know, it's like you love yourself. Yeah. Like you love yourself enough to say no to someone you love, right? And it's hard. It's a hard process, but it's part of like growth and it's a part of communicating that effectively as well. And um, I think in terms of work, uh, I, like yourself, like was working really, really hard and um, was always like run down or burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think I've always been like really vocal <laughs> and like um, like inquisitive and always very like, hang on a second, why are we doing that? I don't think that's serving any of us here. So I was always asking questions. So I think in terms of work boundaries, like I make sure that um, I'm not – over extending myself because you know in, te- in the teaching space it's so easy for you to do that and I think being a woman being Asian as well sometimes in the workplace where we're like naturally we're inclined to just be a bit more reserved I think mm-hmm. um so it's it's kind of hard to exercise these boundaries when our natural inclination is to be like okay cool I understand the instructions I'm going to go and execute that Yeah, and so some people might not even realize that there are things that they're doing that they don't agree with. They're just doing it anyway. And yeah, that was me for a long time. And that's why we need people like you, Jen, (laughs) speaking up for all of us. But when I started, like, I guess it was down to the relationships with the people. And if I felt comfortable to speak up and I felt like my opinions would be heard, Mm-hmm. and acknowledged, then I would speak up. Like if I was going to say something and nobody would listen anyway, then what's the point, right? Mm-hmm. But I definitely agree with the self-care part. And what I was talking about earlier about it's a way for you to take care of yourself. It's not just a matter of like this is wrong and I don't want you to do this again. Yeah, how do you communicate that with other people? So how do you speak up for yourself? Um, That's a really good question because I think – you know, we can say that we we talk to people like we, we try to overcome our struggles and stuff, but like how do we actually communicate that to the other person? Um, I have this strategy that I use and I, I saw it on like um, a podcast or I heard it on a podcast and my friend told me about it and it's um, this is what happened. So you, you tell them what happened, like what maybe it was an interaction or like a scenario, whatever. This is what happened and this is how it made me feel. I don't want you to do anything about it. I'm just letting you know that this is where I'm at and this is how I feel about this situation. And then I just back away. Like as in it's up to them how they receive it. It's up to them how they interpret. Because either way, they're going to misinterpret or reinterpret what you're, you're sending out there, right? So as long as you kind of communicate with the best intention where you're at, um, then you just let the other person whatever, like however they want to receive it or um, process that information. And I find that most of the time, like when I discovered that, I started using it in the workplace, especially like in meetings or like um, when I'm speaking to like my head teacher or the head of department or whatever, I'd be like, okay, so this is what's going on, you know, in the classroom or like in the meeting or whatever changes I want to make. I'm like, this is how I feel about it. It's not, this is what I think about it. Cause like the semantics of that is super important yeah. because 
yeah, this is it, this is how I feel about it. It makes me feel uncomfortable, and I don't. No one feel can question like, that. No one can say no. You're yeah. not supposed to feel that way. Exactly, exactly right. And people aren't going to be insensitive and be like, "Well, what you're feeling is not right." Right? That they, they can't challenge, mm-hmm. like you say, they can't question that. They can't challenge the way you feel. However, they can challenge the way you think. Right? Mm-hmm. And when someone says, I think this, it's it's like immediately the other person will have their defenses up because they're trying to like, you know, um, block, shield, whatever is coming at them. So, yeah, I don't know. It's like it was on one of the podcast, like one podcast that I um, listened to and I was like, that's a really cool way of articulating or like expressing. Yeah, I love that. I think that would be so helpful for, for listeners who are, looking for some ways to help them set up boundaries and to just communicate that. And I definitely agree with like the way you say it. It's like just raising awareness about how you're feeling because no one's a mind reader. So just telling people and getting that out there, because sometimes that's the most scary part. It's just like, Oh, I'm feeling this way, but I don't want to let anyone know. It's like Mm. people are just hiding how they're feeling and just doing it and then resenting them later. Mm, so mm. definitely speaking up about it and finding a way that makes it easier and putting yourself in a situation where you're able to like not don't have to speak up in front of everybody but you know one-on-one or just like a quick oh can I have a quick chat with you about this or I just want to let you know something mm-hmm. like you don't have to put a lot of pressure on yourself to tell the other person it's not like oh, I'm gonna have a conversation I want to like take minutes or anything <laughs> Yeah. It's just more like, hey, I just want to tell you this. And coming from that perspective allows you to take that pressure off because a lot of people feel really nervous about speaking up. And especially when you're like, oh my gosh, they're going to think I'm so rude for saying this, or they're going to think I'm so selfish or whatever the reason. And it's just like, yeah, it's just so simple. And there are so many easy ways to say it. You don't have to make a whole speech. So I, I use this strategy on my dad because <laughs> um, my, my dad's like really, um, I'd say strict. Well, I, I don't think people would think he's strict, but like to me he was. And um, I found it sometimes hard to communicate my feelings to him when I was younger and I felt like they weren't heard. So in like now in my adult life, um, I really had to work on it and I use this like um strategy technique on him and it's something like I was like dad I I don't know what to say to you but I want to tell you how like I feel about it and you you let me know and so I'll be like this is what happened this is how it made me feel and then my dad would flip it on me and then he'd be like yeah but like Jen doesn't call me that by the way um but he'll be like (laughs) he'll be like yeah but this is what happened and this is how it made me feel can you see that because I was caught up with like getting him to see my perspective, right? And then he'll be like, yeah, but are you seeing my perspective? And then he flipped that strategy on me and he'll be like, this is what happened and this is how I feel about it. And I was like, oh, okay, I I see, you know. And so that allowed us to, I guess, see each other's perspective. But I think because I did that, it opened up the space for my dad or like the other person to step forward also. Yeah. And if they don't want to, then you know, like that's their limitations. They don't want to 
you know, collaborate. They don't want to, I don't know, meet you halfway, but you will know. Mm. And love that when you share that, you just kind of pause and you leave it at that. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the invitation for them to add their perspective or to share like how they want to respond. But it could also be the end of the conversation. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. it's just up in the air. Like they know mm-hmm. and they don't have to respond and they can come back later and add something. Right. And then it's not, it's not your problem. Not that it's not your problem anymore, but you've done, you've, you've done the service for yourself. You've kind of um, projected or like put it out there, right? That this is how you feel. or This is whatever the situation is. And then it just leaves it for the other person. And I, I kind of like that because um, you open the boundaries up. <laughs> Have you experienced boundaries um, in relationships as in partner romantic relationships? Yeah, definitely. Like I've, as I've said, I'm always the, the one who does everything I feel like. Mm -hmm. And because I'm the eldest and my partner Raymond is the youngest. Me too. The more things we find out about each other. (laughs) I felt like the dynamics of that was so different because expectations placed on me Mm -hmm. compared to the youngest boy in a family is so different. So I feel you girl. (laughs) Seriously. So the lessons that I had to learn to take care of myself, I mean, I'm still navigating this mm-hmm. um, as it comes up. But one of the biggest things was that I kind of took on too much. Mm. Like I would just naturally do more cleaning in the house. I would do more of the cooking and come up with the ideas of what to cook and just like house stuff. And that really – overwhelmed me a lot of times and it kind of got me really annoyed during the early years in our relationship Mm because I didn't know how to communicate that right and I was just putting up with it because I was like okay like this is what this is what I have to do because I'm the female in the relationship but over the years I was like nah I can't I can't keep getting mad at him for not doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) or not like thinking of it because I would take initiative whereas it's not something that comes up in his mind to even do some of those things. Like it's not natural to him to do that. And so I had to say, okay, I need to do something about this. And we had to talk about like what kind of chores do we need to do around the house? <laughs> as simple as that, having a chat about what kind of chores, how often do we want to do it? And then like who who takes on what? Because we can't just like, I can't just do the cleaning and then he comes home and does the same thing. <laughs> So we had to divvy out the chores and everything and just, and it was just something as simple as that. But that was one of the biggest things that we not fought over, but that was a struggle that I had to overcome for me personally in our relationship. Yeah, what about yeah. you? Yeah, I guess like just going off what you were saying, I guess, and that that's part of the conditioning, right? Because you like you mentioned earlier, you saw that modelled um, with your mum and then that's like, like how you show up and then you realise, hang on a second, this isn't like I, I don't, not that you don't agree with it, but like this doesn't resonate. Well, I don't want that you. for myself. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I've yeah. Told, I've told Raymond before, like I don't want to be the person, like I don't mind being a stay-at-home mum, it just depends mm-hmm. on the situation, but I don't mind taking care of the kids and doing cooking and cleaning, but that's not my sole job. I am yeah. not just going to sit at home, wait for him to come home and cook dinner. And he just yeah. like, you know, the the image that I have is like the man sits on the couch 
and the woman's vacuuming, right? And he's like, and yeah. she goes around like, lift your legs up, <laughs> lift them or vacuum <laughs> under your legs. Like yeah. that is definitely not something I want to do. That's old paradigm. That's that's yeah. old paradigm. We're new paradigm here. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, Cody, my partner, he's also the youngest and I'm the eldest and there's such a different like um, dynamic because I'm like also initiator, kind of got like the leader and kind of, you know, very just – on it whereas he's like way more chill and I think I don't know I I do have a theory that like what position you're born in do does dictate some sort of characteristics or qualities that you embody we definitely can say this for another conversation hey (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I think in terms of boundaries and relationship boundaries I'm someone that needs a lot of space like I like a lot of alone time so when like my batteries are full And like, so if I'm working a lot or if like, you know, I've been around socially, like I've been around too many people and stuff like that. Like, I think for me, like I'm, I'm super aware of like, okay, no, my, I'm getting really agitated being around people. And even in the relationship, like with my partner, I hang out with him for too long. I need to just whoop, like withdraw and just spend a lot of time by myself and let my nervous system kind of just, um, like recuperate um and just recharge and then I can go again but there are some people and you know some partners or whatever who can keep going they can keep doing activities they can keep socializing um so I think the thing with those types of boundaries is like knowing like how you distribute your energy so maybe you know that um you you know you can only socialize for a couple of hours a day and then you got to recharge or knowing that um, these are the days or these are the events I'm going to this week or like work super busy. So I need to give myself time and set those boundaries for myself to just, you know, sit and watch Netflix or like cook for yourself or something like that. And your boundaries always change. Like as Mm -hmm. like you, you move on, as you grow, as other things in your life change, then your boundaries will change along with it. So they're not fixed, I think, because it can sound fixed, the word boundaries, like barricades, yeah. right? But I think us being flexible and um, knowing when to be firm and then knowing when to be like, okay, maybe I can't be this stubborn. Like I just got to like drop the boundary fence a little bit and then go from there. I think with boundaries it just depends on where you're at in life mm-hmm. like what's your priority at the moment and as I, was, I said before about picking your battles sometimes what seemed like a big deal when you were younger is not a priority for you now and you're mm-hmm. not going to spend time and energy on that anymore and I just remember what I was going to say about relationships and knowing when to because I'm the exact same I know when we've had too much time together Like I love spending time with him, but there's times when I'm like, yeah, I need some time to myself now. And I think we're both pretty good like that, that we're both kind of value our time just to, I don't know, watch a YouTube video or Mm. watch a movie by yourself. And like maybe that's a hermit side of me, which (laughs) (laughs) if if people listen to um, the previous episode about the human design reading, then, then they'll know that, yeah, I also need to recharge in that way as well. And if relationships clash in that aspect or in anything where there's differences between the two, you need to bring that up in some way. It doesn't have to be a huge chat, but it could just be like, I'm just going to go do this now. (laughs) 
<laughs> and this makes me feel, you know, X, Y, Z. What are some of the themes, you know, in terms of boundaries that your clients meet? Like what's the most common one? This was a conversation I had with a, quite a few people recently. And that's why I had my my free cheat sheet on how to say no, how to kindly mm-hmm. say no. Mm-hmm. And that all stemmed from the idea that people think boundaries and saying no, even just like hinting at the idea of no, makes people freeze up. Mm-hmm. They think it's selfish. They think they're going to make the other person feel bad. And they feel guilty. Yeah, they feel guilty about it. And so I made that free um, resource for people who want that reassurance to know that it's not as hard as they think it is and they don't have to feel guilty about it. And a few of the things that I I mentioned in there is the fact that you can't assume that other people can't handle it. Yeah. And that was such a big thing. That was in my IG live as well, like my live training that I did. It's just we as caretakers and people who always – are serving others, we get it in our heads that other people are under our wing. We have Mm -hmm. to take care of them. We have to be the mother for them. We have to worry about like, oh, what if they think this? What if, what if this will happen to them because I'm saying no? Like, it's not our job to worry about everyone and we can't do that. And you mentioned that in your podcast episode with Level Asian as well about, we we just have to worry about ourselves. Because you cannot change other people. And this is kind of like the reflection that they need to do to say like, hey, okay, this has come up. How am I going to manage that? And how will I manage my emotions in response to that? Like Mm. it's not your job to worry about everybody else. And that was one of the biggest key takeaways from that. And I think a lot of people needed that or needed to know about that because they just thought that I – I worry about everybody. I care about everyone. So I need to make sure that I think about the consequences of everything I do. That's not our job. Yeah. And and saying no is particularly difficult also for second gen women, right? Because part of Asian culture is like, it's so rude to say no to um, elders. Yeah. Especially Right, they ask you to do something, or if they need something, you, you you go and you do it. So I think you know, for second generation women, like for everyone, but for second gen women in particular, there's a there's a conflict of interest here, you know, and and it's really disparaging sometimes because you're like you want to serve yourself, you know, saying no is going to be good for you, right? Because you need that time away, or you need to, um, what you need to do your things. But at the same time, you've got this other complex where he's like, Oh no. And conditioning of like, Oh, I can't say no. I have to say yes. I have to say yes. So it's always like this push and pull with that. And it's, um, kind of sometimes I'd imagine challenging to, um, wash away the guilt and, you know, like learn to, I don't know, say it, just even verbally say it, but like process that and not have to like and separate yourself from the other person and be like, whoa, that's your thing. If you can't, like, I can't be responsible for how you feel about this. As teachers, we teach kids to be resilient and to be able to recognize when they're not feeling good, they're feeling, you know, any other of those emotions, but then how to get back up from that. Because there's always going to be things that challenge us 
things that we disagree with or we're treated in ways that we don't like or we don't necessarily want to be treated. Mm-hmm. But knowing that whatever we say has consequences, yes, but ultimately it's up to us to manage ourselves and it's up to them to manage themselves. Do you have a tip for how someone can manage um, that for themselves? Yeah, or like getting back up or like, you know, say you say no to something and you're still feeling like guilty. What's a technique? What's a tip that, you know, you have or you can share um, to help us kind of manage that or regulate ourselves in that kind of way? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is being grounded in who you are and what your Mm -hmm. values are, as we've talked Mm -hmm. about in previous episodes. Because if I if I value my, my work, for example, and someone else is asking me to do something for them that kind of clashes with my work, then me saying no to that is easy. Mm. Whereas when you don't know what's important to you and what, what you really value, like not just like, you know, a whole list of things, but like your top, maybe top five, top six, then it's going to be really hard. And you'll feel really bad about saying that because both things seem really important, right? But Ultimately, we do have an idea of what's more important and we kind of have a a system. Hey, this is more important. But I mean, there will be times when when you're in situations where both things are important, but you just have to accept that if you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And that's like, you know, in – if you did economics or business studies, I'm not sure in business studies, but in economics, we talked about opportunity cost, about how there's always, if you say yes to something, there's a no as well. And knowing that if you're happy and if you're okay with with letting go of this thing in order to have something else or spend your time with something else, then that gives you a lot of clarity on on what to say no to. Oh, I love that you shared that because I think that's really important for um, a lot of us to understand that, like, a, you, it depends on what you value, right? And then grounding down in those values and that value thing can be, like, um, a determiner for how you make your decisions. Like, is this aligning with, like, my values? Is this, like, um, serving what I believe in? And you're right, like, if you – that's, like, a really – interesting way um, to think about it. Like if you don't know your values, if you're not sure, then that will show up in your decision making mm-hmm. and then you'll question it and you're not going to feel good about it. But when you know, like I value um, family time, for example, then you're going to make a decision that aligns with that and you're going to feel good. Yeah. That's a good tip. I think that's a really, really good and like grounding tip. It's just like, boom, go back to your values. What do you want? which is like something that people can do as they listen to this, think about what's something that's important, but also think about situations where they've kind of felt icky about saying no or felt like really guilty afterwards to really reflect on that because that kind of shows that maybe you weren't so clear about that. And it's really mm. hard for people to to prioritise or pick out a few things, right? But as you said before, like you value your freedom if something were to come up that clash with your value of freedom, then you'd be like, oh, no, nah, I'm not doing the other thing, even though you really want to. But at the end of the day, you'll be happy with your decision mm-hmm. because you're like, this is really important to me. 
and doesn't mean that the other thing's not important. It's just, this is more important for me right now in this moment. And as you said before, things change. Nothing is set in stone and your values can change. And then also that's why when you use boundaries, that can also change as well. Yeah, I love that because I like I was thinking of like two weeks ago when I was saying to you, oh, I got like offered a job in Bangkok and, you know, I really thought hard about it, like if I would take it or not because I'm still on like my sabbatical. And then I was like, but hang on a second, if I take this job, right, I'm not going to have free time. And I really mm-hmm. value my free time. I'm enjoying what yeah. I'm doing. I have all this time to like podcast, to like go and like do courses and whatnot. But if I take on the job, I'm going to like my time will be limited. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. And so if I had made the other decision, I would have felt like, I guess. Oh, what am I giving up on? What are, You're saying yeah. yes to that job means that you're saying no to the freedom. Yes. yes. Because like, you know, on one hand, it's like, financial security right mm-hmm. and you know money's coming in you're getting a paycheck every single fortnight or however long but then you're like but what about that thing what about me having my free time having having the opportunity to build your own business or work on like whatever you want to do like what's the cost of me saying yes to this job I think that's a good, it's, it's a great way to um, navigate decision making and boundary set, setting. Um, you, you look at your value proposition, right? And, and I think that can be an indication for everyone out there, like um, on how to traverse whatever is coming up or arising in, in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's a big part of my coaching program, all about your identity and your values. Because if you if you're not clear on that, any decisions you make, any relationships that you have with people, and you try and navigate, you know, your career and everything else in life, it's not going to come from a grounded place. It's not going to be the core of like who you are and what you really identify with, what's important to you. So. That is really important and especially with the conversations that I have with clients as well is that they're not really sure about so many things like what should I do for work or what do I even enjoy doing and spending my time on and because they don't have that foundation and so once you get clear on that everything else would be doesn't mean it will be completely easy but it would be easier yeah you'll make decisions based on that knowledge that you have already. And I'm sure it will be more, I'm sure like the decision will be more clear. Mm. Like there's more clarity once you have these foundations. And um, also like things, once you um, decide, right, once you know, not know who you are, but like um, know what you value, know what you like, know where your passions are. Once those foundations are laid, um, the universe does this weird thing where it just draws, like you become magnetic, right? And it draws in all these opportunities and these connections and anything that helps you kind of grow that. But if you don't have those foundations, the the universe, God, what, whatever belief system you have out there, right? Um, the universe doesn't won't know what to give you if you don't know what you want. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. That's a bit of advice I have to take for myself too. (laughs) We have to evaluate our life and our values regularly, like every couple of years. And now you being in a new space and having this free time, that's when you can start thinking about it. And then as things change in a couple of years, check in with yourself. Like, is this what you want to do still? Do you Mm. want to go back to teaching? So Mm. something that we're all navigating constantly, anything new that comes up, that's a good chance for you to reevaluate, especially decisions, like big decisions like that. Because I had that decision to make too when I I was ending my contract and I was like, should I apply for the next year or should I not? (laughs) And Mm. so I decided not to. And that was kind of leading to the future and working on this value of me having like freedom in a way as well, flexibility, more control over my life. Mm. So Mm. yeah, that's what I was deciding on like end of last year. Like you said, we're constantly like re-evaluating and I think that's really important for reflection purposes and for growth purposes um, that like where, yeah, just reshaping ourselves um, continuously as we progress um, through our journey. Yeah, this has been such an important conversation and I hope that our listeners gain a lot from this episode. Any final words? Um, No, I just think do what you love and I think, yeah, everything will just fall into place. If you resonated with this topic and want to explore it deeper with me as your life coach, guiding and cheering you on, then apply for Living With Intention. It's a fully personalized program to help you unlearn your survival beliefs, rediscover your identity and redefine your version of a successful life. I've linked it in the show notes and I can't wait for you to start living with intention.